Hello and welcome to Reggie'sTake.com, podcast number 33. The galaxy's favorite group of a-holes have returned in Marvel's newest Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Hellboy will be getting another shot at the big screen, but without Guillermo del Toro or Ron Perman, we'll tell you how. Plus, two movies are celebrating their 20th and 40th anniversaries, respectively. Joining me today is my co-host, James. Welcome, and how you been, sir? Oh, pretty good. I'm uh, actually going to be having surgery soon, so I'll be doing a lot better once that's done. Just It's just tonsil surgery, but I think it's left me a little bit lethargic for probably a couple months, so it's just time to get them out of there. Uh, they quit doing their job. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, that definitely sucks. My wife had her tonsils out several years ago, and they say as an adult, it's not as easy on the person as it is if you're oh, a 10-year-old yeah, kid. No. So, no, that's what they're saying. Anyway, good luck to you on that one. Haven't done one in about two months podcast that is i've been busy with my quote normal job i don't do this for a living i wish but i don't guardians of the galaxy have come out volume two what's great though what's great though about our little break is that uh the last movie we did was logan right and uh, you know i think everyone needs a little break after logan <laughs> oh speaking of logan they're actually bringing out a black and white version mm-hmm. for one night only at theaters also release it on blu-ray as well as, yeah. as a black and white option on the blu-ray yeah i'm gonna try to go to that one here in wichita to that showing i need to double check when that is i can't say it'd make it any better it might make it a different or interesting perspective on the movie. Where I know how the movie is and how the movie ends, it was a great movie in color. Yeah. It will be interesting to see it in black and white. Yeah. You don't see too many black and white movies nowadays. They, there's usually a couple a year, it seems like. Well, no, La La Land was color, no, wasn't it? Yeah, no. it was color. All color. And maybe the, maybe there movie. weren't any black and white ones this year. I can't remember the last time they, quote, put out straight black and white movie. Yeah. The only last ones I really know of was uh, Sin City, but that's been a while back. Sin City does not age too well, by the way. No, I I don't think it has. Like, if you watch it now, it's like, (laughs) what is this crap? (laughs) Well, one of the actors in that movie, uh, Powers Booth, he just recently passed away of natural causes. Uh, Oh, yeah, that's right. He he was in that movie. Yeah, Yeah. he was uh, 68. He said he passed away in his sleep. Our condolences to his family. Uh, What did you think of The Guardians of the Galaxy? Some out there say it was good. It wasn't as great as the first one. I don't think the movie was ever going to live up to what the first one was. I think they would have had a hard time. Not that it's not possible. For me, I liked the movie. I liked for what it was. I enjoyed it. Uh, I read some out there said the movie was disjointed in some ways. I really didn't find it that disjointed. I really didn't either. I mean, it didn't move along at the pace maybe as the first one did, but I thoroughly enjoyed the movie. The the first movie is one of those rare kind of perfect movies. Yeah. Like it is. Action, comedy. That movie was basically perfect. There's only a few other the superhero movies that are really, you know, Spider-Man 2, Dark Knight. Iron Man almost is. I mean, uh-huh. you kind of nitpick about that final fight scene. But that's kind of a nitpick, but still. So, I mean, Guardians of the Galaxy, that's one of those rare movies that's just like a perfect movie. And the second one, to be honest with you, I loved I loved the second one. If I were to nitpick, I didn't find it disjointed. I don't think people know what they're saying when they say that. I found that sometimes they'd kind of overdo a joke a little bit at a few parts. Nothing serious. Or at least hung on a joke for a little too long. And I think they also maybe... Oh, no, 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 no. The big nitpick that I have with the movie, though, was... um, It really doesn't bother me that much, but I did kind of roll my eyes whenever this would happen, is everyone had the sad backstory in this movie, like, (laughs) When I was a child, I... And then they turn around, well, when I was a child, I was... It's After a while, it's like, okay, geez, we get it. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I could complain about that. I loved Baby Groot. 
Oh, who? I loved Yondu. Nebula, I think she's a cool character, but I kind of think her some of her stuff seemed kind of forced. Again, going back to the sad backstory, I only wanted a sister. Shut up. No one's buying that. Nebula. She was fine. She's fine, just, but to me, a little bit goes a long forced. way with, with yeah. me, with her. Yeah, same here. Unless they were planning on doing some big story change or, or revelation like they kind of did with Yondu, then I would have been fine. Well, Yondu was great. Yeah, and uh, a little bit surprised there at the end with Yondu, which we'll get to a little bit later. What do you think of how they did Ego the Living Planet with Kurt Russell? That is what I loved most about the movie. I love the idea that Kurt Russell was basically just an avatar for this planet who was just like this living embodiment of the planet like he wasn't really a person i i loved that i think the the very beginning of the movie when he is driving through missouri in an old cobra in a 1980 cobra yeah one of the most quintessential kurt russell things ever i absolutely loved that moment i thought it was great and they did that de-aging process on him mm-hmm. to make him look younger which that it type looks of, better every time they do it right I and i think and also when it's in right now smaller doses yeah because you really weren't on him a lot to really be able to nitpick it like you could maybe parts of uh, Tarkin and Rogue One. Also, uh, Kurt Russell's not dead like Peter Cushing. True, true. There's also that interesting twist. I mean, you see him as Star-Lord's father, and you're thinking they're they're building a relationship, and then you get to the point to where he basically says, it was hard for me to implant that tumor into your mother's head. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, that's when you realize, oh, here's our villain for the movie at that point. I mean, that was an interesting... Yeah, especially since we knew there was something about his father since the first movie. Right. So they were building him up. Like, some of the cosmic stuff I don't know too much about, but I know a little bit about him. Ego the Living Planet was originally appeared in a Thor comic. Now, was Ego considered a villain in the comic, or just a character? From what I always understood, he was more or less a villain. Okay. But he was also one of those celestial mega high being even like galactus like even though he's considered a villain it's usually because he's so far above our understanding okay even though he's a villain they could usually talk him out of something and that was something i thought about in the movie i was like wait a minute ego was like a full-on villain i wonder if they're gonna make him and then i was like no i think they're gonna make him like kind of misunderstood i knew there was something about him the whole time Mm mm-hmm I wasn't sure what his plan was. I knew he wasn't going to be a hundred percent good guy since he was just because he was playing ego. But I also didn't know how bad of a guy he was going to be. So right. they they did a good job of that. Star Lord's past they really tied up his father and his mother's. And they brought it all into one. Mm-hmm. And so I really think, in a certain sense, I don't think this is the right term, rounded out Star-Lord's character, learning about his past now. You obviously learned about his mother's death in the first one, but now knowing who his father was and that it was his technically his father who basically killed his mother. And then Star-Lord basically had to kill Ego. Will his character change any for third one or... I don't see him changing any, but it's just that whole dynamic. It might be darker, that's for sure. But, well, I mean, I don't necessarily mean darker, but I mean, he might have a little bit more of a serious side, but I don't think they're going to go all the way with it. No, I don't think they would. Bradley Cooper sure is good as uh, Rocket. Rocket. They made fun of Rocket, was harsh on that character, more so than they were really the first movie. I mean, the first movie, he was just basically an, an a-hole, really. Yeah. Uh, just a nasty uh, raccoon with an attitude, and they kind of really picked on him, but it almost worked, because it got to his character to a certain point, where he's not as, maybe he's more understood. 
Would that be well? And wrong? then also, right? you notice they also kind of made Drax more of a comic relief on this one. It was kind of there were some odd things. They weren't terrible choices. Like I said, I still loved the movies, so I mean, but there were a few odd decisions that they made. I still felt like they did a good job of making every character part of the team, which is something mm-hmm. that a lot of movies still get wrong. Yeah, because not every group type of movie like that, where you got an ensemble cast that are supposed to be working together, doesn't necessarily always come off that well no. sometimes, because usually there's always a side character or two that usually gets overlooked, or you see something really good that you really like and hope they go with it more, but then all of a sudden you get nothing more of it. And in this one, they didn't really do that. They kind of spread out the wealth amongst the main characters. Now, I'll tell you what, though. The intro credits might be the best ever. It was Baby Groot dancing to Electric Light Orchestra while the rest of them were engaged in an epic space battle with an alien. And they play the whole song. I mean, it's pretty amazing. Really one of the best opening titles I've ever seen on any movie. Did you catch, I don't know what to say if you want to call them Easter eggs, but cameos in the movie? Did you catch all of them? Well, I know at the end there's that Adam Warlock thing, which they had an Adam Warlock cameo on the first one. They did? They did in... Um, in the collectors oh okay i was hoping to see him back i want to see benicio del toro again i hope he doesn't necessarily have to be in every guardians movie but i hope he comes back in a movie because okay. he's a great character because i think uh, the reason why he wasn't really in this one is because this was really filming at the same time he was doing episode eight of star wars oh is he in star wars yeah he's gonna be a main character in I the last jedi that. yeah wow so that well, is he it- a villain or a good guy Everyone's assuming he's going to turn out to be a villain because he's supposed to be working with the First Order Mm -hmm. and Snoke, possibly, but no one's really for sure exactly what his character is supposed to be. Really, There's a lot of rumors and speculation of what he could be, or he could be just completely somebody new. Although they say he's not supposed to be a villain, but it sounds like maybe his character will be leaning towards maybe being a villain by the end of the movie. I don't know. What Disney and Lucasfilm are nowadays with their so tight-lipped and not giving anything away, which is what I like, because then mm-hmm. when you go to see the movie, you're totally just yeah surprised as hell. Yeah. But at the same time, you're kind of sitting here with being a fan like I am, kind of like, you want to know something, but at the same time, you don't want to know something. So, But yeah, he's in the movie, so I, I don't know exactly what he'll be playing, but okay. it'll be interesting to see. Some hope he's a character from uh, the animated uh, Star Wars Rebels hoping one of these days i'll watch the what is star wars rebels was that the first animated no this is this is the current animated show and that's new yeah that's new and disney's ending it be going into their fourth season in september are they on like they're netflix on Dis- they're on disney xd right now that's the only place so you can watch them you, do you stream that then uh i do it through itunes i stream it through itunes i oh, okay. I, I just pay the yearly pass and watch it that way because i have to see my star wars yeah they're going to end the series, and by that point, it'll tie in with the Rogue One movie. They're somehow going to tie it all in with Rogue One, so it'll okay. be interesting to see. But so far, it's been really good. I, I like that show. If you can get past about the first half of the first season, it's a little slow to start, but once you're on it, it's really good. I, I like it. It has its kind of down episodes, but it's, it's a good show. Did you catch uh, who uh, Sylvester Stallone was playing in Guardians? You know, I didn't know who that was. He's playing Starhawk. Okay. He's playing a character from the, one oh, of the original Guardians of the, the Galaxy. From the 70s Guardians the of the Galaxy. Galaxy. Oh, that's neat. Uh, also, the, the some of the other that. characters in the movie that you see briefly of the uh, of the Ravengers, mm-hmm. at the end, if you notice that one, I think it's post credit scene. That was weird. Yeah, I do remember that. All characters from the original 
Guardians That's of the Galaxy. That's really interesting. So now people are speculating, are they going to use those characters at some point later on? Or is that something they have planned in after Phase 4? Could just be a fun cameo. It's Could a, be just a fun cameo, or maybe group of characters they may use maybe in Guardians of mm-hmm. the Galaxy 3. But there's a lot of speculation there because you've got all these different characters from the original that they put in there. That's really interesting because I've made a conscious choice not to really delve too much into Guardians I, of the Galaxy I, comics because I feel like I like these movies so much. Yeah, I made this decision way before I saw the second one, but I really just don't care what the comic books are. I, I really mm-hmm. don't. But I did delve a little bit into it, and yeah, there was a 70s Marvel comic called Guardians of the Galaxy, but they were totally different characters. So that's who Sylvester right. Stallone and all these guys are. Right. That's really interesting. Kevin Feige made mention of it in an interview saying they're definitely the original Guardians. That was the fun of it. When James Gunn had the idea to do more with Yondu's character, who was also an original Guardian, the notion that he had a team once, like Peter does now meant that we thought it would be fun to see them where we see them in the future time will tell james gunn said himself said ving rames is charlie 27 michelle yo who i am enormous fan of from the old 90s hong kong films she is a very wonderful person she plays alta ogord however you pronounce that name i'm not familiar with it and then who is the female starhawk as gunn put it and then there's kruger and mainframe voiced by miley cyrus okay i think that was that helmet that kind of spoke that kind of surprised me when i heard that Miley cyrus that's interesting (laughs) that's really interesting i also really like stan lee he has one of my favorite cameos of all time in this movie where he's he looks like an astronaut Uh, and he's hanging out with the watchers, the watchers. Uh-huh. there has long been a speculation or a fan theory i don't want to call it a speculation it's a fan theory but a bunch of fans came up with the idea that stan lee's cameos in all these movies not just the mcu but all these marvel movies are because he is actually uatu the watcher and this is about as close to acknowledging that theory as it comes now is stanley an astronaut who's talking to the watchers uh-huh. or is he uatu just in an astronaut stanley costume right. but he also said something about he used to work for the federal express was that supposed to be like a uh, reference to, to civil war because because he shows up as a oh, that's right yeah which which is yeah. also one of my favorite cameos of him because yeah. i because I, I love is there a tony stank here yeah yeah <laughs> well see in the that goes back to the his cameos in fantastic four and the comic books in fantastic four he was a mailman postal worker in the comics though he was actually but in the movie that's actually one of his best cameos because he's actually a character in the comic who may or may not be a cameo of stan lee uh named lenny lumpkin i believe and we did an episode with that where lenny lumpkin brings them their mail and that was before they started doing fan mail in the back really and they just read mail and then berated the readers for calling sue storm a worthless woman and berating them for being sexist when it's like wait a minute stan you're the one that made her kind of sexist in the first place sexist (laughs) and then like what's funny is we did that on one episode what's funny is the very next issue all of a sudden they gave the invisible woman all these new powers and made her basically the most powerful member of the team i think he must have gotten more fan mail like hold on dude you're pointing the finger at us but you gave this character her only power is turning invisible and crying okay like come on (laughs) actually i found that it says that uh you ought to made his first appearance in the fantastic four in 1963 yes 
He's a very fun character, and he also, for a while there, see Thor comic, the magazine itself was called Journey into Mystery, and at the end, for a while there, it would be Thor, it's always the main event, but then he'd always share it either with, one of them was Legends of Asgard, which was actually the way better than the Thor comic, the main comic. There were shorter comics, but they were basically Norse mythology okay. in comic form, and it was Thor and Loki and Odin and, all, and Surtur and all these like great characters, and you would read that, and you'd read the old Norse myths, and all these adventures that they went on which was way better than him fighting mr hyde and losing his hammer and turning into doctor what is his name again when he turns into in those old ones he turns into uh doctor oh thor's name yeah what is it he'd always lose his hammer and he'd turn into the lame doctor don blake Don Blake, yes, not Daniel. Yeah, he'd always turn into the lame Dr. Don Blake. And or Don Blakely or whatever the Donald hell. Donald Blake. And then he'd go on a date with uh, Kate, who was a nurse, not an astrophysicist, because this uh-huh. was the 60s. And all she'd do is think about, boy, you just can't even walk right. I just love Thor and his big muscles. And this was every dang issue. But then the, the stuff at the back was always way more fun. You'd get that. You'd get the mythology. Later on, they started doing the Inhumans, which, meh. But then right before that, they would always do another one that they do was uh a story from uatu the watcher okay and it was basically just him explaining the marvel universe so that's where a lot of the origins come from in some of the weirder stuff it was just really good i did some research after watching the guardians of galaxy volume 2 that basically related like you said i'm not familiar with the guardians of galaxy mm-hmm. as far as comics and i don't want to necessarily know everything but i did look up for what i saw in the movie so i'd be more prepared for this we also got another quick appearance of howard the duck yeah we did i know they showed stan lee again in the post credits yeah after the first time in the main movie which i kind of thought was funny you know too. who does his voice right howard yeah who seth green i think i read somewhere about that interesting I would love to see more of Howard the Duck, maybe, in the Guardians. You say that, but he's a terrible character. (laughs) I I didn't say a movie of him. So I'd like to see more of Howard the Duck, maybe as a minimal side character somewhere in another movie, maybe in Guardians 3, but not necessarily. He he might actually be the worst Marvel movie. Yeah. Howard the Duck might be directed by George Lucas. Lucas. That's what I was meant to say. But yeah, that movie's really bad. Have you seen it? Years ago. It's yeah. one of those movies you watch once and it's like, okay, I'm good. It's not quite as bad as Garbage Pail Kids, but it's in that realm. Have you ever seen Garbage Pail Kids? No. Don't. Just watch uh, Howard the Duck and imagine it being worse and creepier. And I do like this version and of not Howard good the Duck's creepy. look. I do like his look in this one. Obviously, what George Lucas did back in the 80s was limited to the t- technology of the time. Well, and now I get that, that Disney owns Marvel, because that was always a big thing, because like... It it was a total ripoff of Donald Duck. And mm-hmm. actually, Disney kind of went to court with Marvel over that. They didn't go to court, but their lawyers were definitely talking. And they had to make some changes to Howard the Duck to make him look less like Donald. Really? Because originally, he looks... If you look at the original, he's just uh, okay. like Donald. I just had a terrible thought. Donald Duck meets Howard the Duck. <laughs> Yeah. Well, it could happen now. I guess it could. It could happen. It could. My wife was asking me at the end when we saw that cocoon. Oh, those golden people. I can't remember their stupid names right off the hand. Yeah, who cares? She was asking me, well, who's supposed to be in there? Who's who's Adam? And she asked me, is it Adam? Whatever. And I said, no, that's that's DC. And, and I had to look up to see Adam Morlock. Are they teasing him to be a villain then in Guardians 3? I doubt it. No, I don't know. See, Adam Warlock 
I know, according to the comics, Arden Warlock was actually kind of a friend of the Guardians. He, he wasn't necessarily an enemy. He originally started out like everyone else in Fantastic Four, mm-hmm. in a Fantastic Four issue. Uh, number got 66 and 67. Yep. He's the one that has the Mind Stone, which is really weird, because at first I was like, okay, I guess they're making Vision sort of a mix between Adam Warlock and Silver Surfer. Now it turns out, oh, they could have done Adam Warlock all of time so it's like why did they give vision the mind stone so why not bring adam warlock in sooner no one knows who he is but at the same time no one knows who vision is either i mean it's never stopped marvel so far i have a feeling adam warlock was such an important character to the infinity that gauntlet that they might just save him for that and that's fine he is like the main character of that Infinity okay. Gauntlet. It's not that I'm doubting what Marvel's doing, because it seems like what they've been doing has, has been working. Yeah. And they've also talked about where they said don't expect necessarily their next phase after this phase to be called Phase 4, because that may not be the way they're going particularly. So I have a feeling the Infinity War movie coming up and then the Avengers movie after that, I think could be setting up the whole next set of Marvel movies that won't necessarily be called Phase 4, but they may not be going in the direction everyone thinks they may be going, but then again, I don't think they're going to get rid of everybody that we've already introduced. It may take a slightly different form, per se, if that makes any sense. It'll be interesting to see where they go with it, because I don't think in the whole scheme of things, I don't think you can get really get rid of Iron Man, Cap, or Thor completely out of the Marvel Universe as a whole. I mean, they may come down to more or less cameo roles, or just introduce into bigger movies kill off captain america i think they're gonna i think he's gonna have to die at the end of this if he doesn't die at first i thought well it's either him or iron man but um honestly i think robert downey jr is gonna be doing cameos till he's in his 80s i don't think he's the one that's gonna die anymore i think it's gonna be captain america which is like the perfect story right because there's so many characters and now we're moving on to characters that like spider-man that was always way more popular than Uh these other guys yeah they can and if they get those damn rights to fantastic four they can do so much yeah that would be huge and they can keep doing the guardians and keep doing thor Right. As long as they're still good. We'll see with Thor Ragnarok, which looks amazing. Yeah, that first teaser trailer. I don't know. Was that out when the last time we did our podcast? I think so. I think we did talk about it. Okay. Cause, yeah, because that's great because I love that towards the end. Yes! He's a friend from work! Yeah. <laughs> well, and the Led Zeppelin, especially since immigrant i don't i you weren't you were you're not much in a rock and roll are you uh, i'm not in the heavy metal hair well, band thing um, from the 80s I, well this is 70s and i wouldn't call them hair band but anyway, whatever led zeppelin they did that song immigrant song and the whole song is about the vikings taking over well then that makes perfect sense and, why they yeah use that song. It, it's about time they finally did it because especially the part where they say uh what is it i know there's valhalla i am coming hammer of the gods We'll drive our ships to new lands. But anyway, <laughs> like it's not as deep as everyone thought it was when we were 16, but you know, it's still a good song. <laughs> but yeah, it is the perfect song for Thor. They also do a lot of songs. Everybody talks about how cool Led Zeppelin was, but some of their songs are pretty dorky. Like you have that. There's about three or four songs where Robert Plant sings about Lord of the Rings. So interesting. Um, yeah, yeah, see, I it's never. pretty dorky. I was but. never into Led Zeppelin. So, I mean, the hardest thing I ever got into as a kid growing up was the. 
ZZ Top, and that was really as hard as uh, I really got. They were they were a really good band. I should say ZZ Top and Aerosmith about as hard as I went. So I can do ZZ Top. Aerosmith kind of sucks. I don't know. I shouldn't say that. Well, a see, lot of people I'm, love them, I, but like one band that I've just I may be dating myself and and sound ignorant at the same time. But see, I didn't know Aerosmith existed until their Pump album wow. came out. Before then, I didn't even know they existed. Before that. Wow. Never knew they existed. Well, here's the deal. The reason why you didn't know, I'm not going to make fun of you, because probably a lot of people didn't. The reason why you didn't know... I know they had a lot of issues before that. Well, it's because all throughout the 70s and 80s, they were turning out albums left and right. It's just the thing is... All throughout the... No, it's not even that. All throughout the 70s and 80s, I would say that uh, it's more because everything they did, at least one other band did better. No matter what they tried, somebody else was doing it better. That's my opinion on Aerosmith. That's okay. speaking of music, great soundtrack once again on uh, Guardians. Guardians. The the best part up. is obviously, and I love the fact there's an older Glenn Campbell song on yeah. Guardians soundtrack. Yeah. I I kind of found that funny. But. Well, the best part is, and they use this in the trailer, the um, Fleetwood Mac song "Chains," and the way they use that, especially at the end when they're in the core of Ego and mm-hmm. the planet Ego and its core. That whole scene, like I love. I loved that scene. I loved everything about the whole planet. I thought the story was really good in this movie. Did you see what they ended up doing with Yondu? Did you see that coming? Or was that a surprise to you? I was starting to suspect that. I honestly thought, look, I wouldn't say I was surprised. I'm not going to say I saw it coming, but sort of saw it coming, I guess. I don't know. It's hard to explain. I know like when I went to that movie, I did notice there was like a lot of retribution following around. And usually when they do that, that means a character's going to die. Granted, they did that with Samuel L. Jackson, and he, ooh, I'm fine. Like, this is the first time they really killed, even if it's not a main, main character, it's a main character. The first time that they killed one since. Okay, Yondu may not be a main character, but he is essential. He yeah. was an essential part of the first movie, and he really is an essential part of that entire ensemble. So, yeah. Well, they I made could... him a guardian on this one. So, so like, so, he is a main character. So, uh, yeah, he is a main character. <laughs> This is the first time they did that since Phil Coulson. Of course, they turned that into a TV show. So long and as they Marvel should, keeps they them should dead. have done that with. I'm pretty sure they will. I think they're going to do something weird with Thanos, where he kind of brings back the souls of the dead. I can see that happening. Okay, but if it's just like a weird cameo to psychologically mess with the characters, I'm fine with it. Okay, uh, that doesn't really count to me. You know, also with Guardians of the Galaxy, it's like Marvel's been under fire for that for a while because they really. Should the only time Brody and and Civil War they didn't oh Brody Brody yeah Brody Brody yeah they should have they they should have I mean there's a couple other characters they should have killed off that they didn't that was obvious that's why I think Marvel's earned that reputation of Nick Fury is the big one one. yeah I think that one is the big one Uh, well that and Phil Coulson because Phil Coulson was dead right and then they're like oh no he's not as long as he remains out of the movie universe. I, yeah. I, I think they're good. Yeah. So long as they don't try and reintroduce them. That him. said, it's not like we can stick our heads in the sand. sand right. I, I understand that. We but, still know what. But so long happen. as they keep him out of the movie, the rest of the movies again, I think I can look the other way on that one. No. Nick Fury was the big one, especially since like his cameo in Avengers was so weak. It was kind of worth it for him to go. You kiss your mother with that mouth? <laughs> He will be returning for um, Infinity War. Well, I, and, I did read that. And also, like, with Guardians, I know this one doesn't totally count, but so really, Guardians has been, before this, was the closest movie to killing off a character with Groot. 
on the first one. Mm-hmm. I know that doesn't really count. Baby Groot is like the same damn thing. Right. And we kind of saw at the end that it was growing back. When that tree burns up, it's pretty sad. I mean, that's about as close as they've gotten. No, I did like the post-credit scene they did with Star-Lord coming in and it kind of a teenage Groot. Yeah. And Star-Lord goes, now I know how Yondu felt. <laughs> You find out why Yondu technically kept Star-Lord. Yeah, he made he up the story about you know wanting to eat him, but he was he was protecting him from Ego because he knew about what Ego was up to. Yeah, because Peter Quill was going to get eaten so or he get ca- killed, I guess. Yeah, he may have misled Star-Lord at the same time he was protecting him, which he found out as well. So I think that made his death more meaningful, I guess, in a certain sense. I also liked uh, when they found the Zune at the end, even though it doesn't really make sense. You guys have all the right plugins to get that thing to work but whatever well i can um, see why zoom i mean it's always odd because it's the ipod that's really popular zoom went out the these window aliens have the same type of outlet to true but whatever i found it funny and kind of almost this works because no one uses cassettes anymore and no one uses the zoom because everyone uses the ipod that was i think the microsoft's attempt at a at an ipod that which was bombed. just as good i had a zoom and i had an ipod and honestly they were both it's an MP3 player, yeah. whatever, regardless actually, of what you I want to call it. Actually, I think the Zune actually had a better... Uh, feature to it? Uh, not feature, but just an easier, just a better operating system. I don't know. Well, it's kind of like... I think Apple's overrated, honestly. There's always a company in some particular field that's always also, overrated. Of course, before I say that, Windows also sucks. So, like, I'm not going to, like, act like I love one more than the other. Yeah, I did like the Zune, but my favorite part, though, was the song that he listened to was that Cat Stevens song. I thought that was really good. Oh, did you also hear the uh, the disco version of the Guardians of the Galaxy theme song at the end in the credits? I'm sure I did. That's I'd... what that was. I know a lot of people complain about the theme music in the Marvel movies. Guardians of the Galaxy has a great theme song. At the end of the movie, they did a disco version. Guess who was singing it? David Hasselhoff. Because yeah. he is on the last track of the yep. uh, soundtrack. So they did like with Star Wars, where remember they did a disco Star Wars? Yes. You remember that. Yeah, yeah. You were you were alive yeah. then, weren't yeah. you? God. Yeah, I'm old. I saw, Jeez. I've seen the original Star Wars in Like theaters. disco just seems like one of those things that is like a legend. Like that's what it is to me. Was disco really real or are these stories all made up? Yes, son. It is real. Speaking of Marvel movies, we've got Spider-Man Homecoming coming up next. And then after Homecoming, we get Thor Ragnarok. And then we get Black Panther. Wow. That's a lot of movies in one year. No. And then we get uh, Infinity War a year from November. Basically, there's three more movies, really, of MCU movies leading up to Infinity War. Okay. The Spider-Man Homecoming looks really good. Yeah, it does. I'm interested in that. Thor Ragnarok looks look like it'll be really good. I'm really interested to see Black Panther because I love that character for what I saw of him in Civil War. I like what they were doing with him, and I hope they maintain that and gets even better in his own movie. My favorite character so far of any of the Marvel characters that I've seen in in the MCU has been Iron Man. Mm -hmm. But from what I've seen of uh, Black Panther, he looks like he could be my second favorite character from what I saw. I'm really hoping the Black Panther movie is really, really good. I'm crossing my fingers, but then again, they haven't released a trailer or anything for it. But then again, there's really no need to at this point. There's also one other superhero movie coming out, which is Wonder Woman, although that's DC, not Marvel. But Wonder Woman, uh, might be the great white hope for DC, right? You almost think it has to be. Well, I mean, she's almost literally going to be that white horse riding in to save the day because they can't have another movie 
get torn up by the critics and fans like the previous two or three. I think it's going to be a good movie. Worst case scenario is it's going to be kind of boring and hackneyed. Which I can deal with at this point. It could be one of those movies where the first half of the movie is all setting her up, and then the last half is all all the action, and kind of like you got with uh, Captain America. Yeah. I hope they just kind of rip off Captain America, but I've seen the commercials it looks funny i will tell you like there's definitely some funny stuff in it and funny is good dc needs funny i think that movie has potential i think she has a lot of potential i think she looks i think i think dc has potential they to save their franchise they They need to they gotta drop all the bs right that's what they have to do they've got to save their franchise because regardless of what anyone thinks about batman v superman or suicide squad to sit there and say scrap everything they're gonna do after let's say justice league assuming assuming let's say you know wonder woman sucks and then justice league sucks you can't really go okay well we're scrapping everything we're starting over again yeah i mean because then you're really going to have egg on your face and no one's going to want to sit through another introduction to a, a newer bat another batman a new, another yeah superman if they, if and they all this show stuff. if they so, show batman's parents get killed in the alley one more time i swear they can't afford to really do that if they ever hope to have quote a cinematic universe like marvel has they've got to take what they have what's in the rearview mirror they've got to leave it there and move forward learn from their mistakes correct those mistakes and hopefully and let's get a good green lantern movie yeah let's do it because i like ben affleck as batman now whether or not he stays or not is another story still to be decided but henry cavill's version of superman it may not be the superman we're used to seeing on the big screen or even what we've seen in the comics but i think with him dying at the end of batman v superman i think you can it's their opportunity to rebrand that character again back to what most of us are used to seeing or expect to see and say oh because of his death he's learned and everyone seemed to be mourning the fact that he sacrificed himself to get rid of doomsday it seemed like at the end of uh, batman v superman where everyone's all in mourning because of superman died i think he proved to the world then that hey i am here for you guys and i'm not here for my own agenda i, I think it's their opportunity to kind of bring superman back into what people are used to seeing and and maybe forget about what they did now i like man of steel some don't like it some say eh but I uh, liked yeah. it for what it is. Yeah. For what it is, I liked the movie. Yeah. They could have not done Zod, but that's another story. But for what it was, I liked the movie. Let's, uh, when we get back to Superman, we need to get Brainiac in there. Brainiac is such a major Superman villain that's never been on anything. And it's crazy. That would be like... I don't want to see another Lex Luthor movie. No, I, I don't care. Especially not now. I, I don't want to see that. I mean, Brainiac's a character that's never been on the big screen. It's a perfect it's opportunity. T- it's to the point where, like, I'm pretty sure that the name Brainiac coined the term. Uh-huh. Like when you call somebody a Brainiac, I don't, <laughs> I actually think that that came from the comics mm-hmm. and not vice versa. Right. I could be wrong. Did you hear DC's going ahead and they keep announcing movies and I don't know why, but they've announced a Batgirl movie. Did you see who they got to write it and direct it? Alicia Silverstone. No. Joss Whedon. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Good. I kind of have small hopes for that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. with him doing it. That'd be that'd be kind of like a Buffy-esque type of right. thing. Right. And, and, of course, Caleb goes to see it. He'll probably have the same complaints he did about the first two Avengers movies with him. You know, Caleb always used to complain about the, you know, serious, serious quip, you know, quick yeah. little one-eye. But that's just what Joss Whedon is. Yeah. So. They get, sometimes they're really funny and sometimes they get kind of old. It depends on how good the rest of the story is. Right. I think that's why, like, with the first Avengers, it's like, bring on the jokes. And the second one 
one, the story's not quite as good. So it's like, stop with the jokes. Yeah. Please stop. Let's just focus on the story. I, I just found it really interesting that, that Joss Whedon is deciding to do Batgirl, but that's fine. That actually makes perfect sense. I know he and Feige have been talking about maybe getting back together and maybe him just doing a, a smaller movie, a Black Widow movie. That would It'd be, be cool. perfect for that because he really like we keep putting everything on Kevin Feige about how great he is, but it, you know we can't forget about how great the initial in Phase One there was a lot of creativity going on. It wasn't just one voice like right. it is now. We went from Black Widow, Scarlett Johansson's great actress, but we went from Black Widow being just kind of a boring femme fatale that we've always seen. Uh-huh to being like this great character character because of Joss Wheat. He's the one that really invented that character. I really think in some ways, going back to what Wonder Woman needs to be doing, Wonder Woman needs to be really good. Because if you look at all the female-centric movies we've had in the past, the, uh, the Electra movie with Jennifer Garner, the attempt to do a uh, Catwoman movie with Halle Berry. I what mean, about Supergirl? That too. Remember, remember ba- that pretty movie? bad. Whew. See, bad see, this is where Wonder Woman really needs to do well. Yeah. Because it's really your first chance to get a, quote, female-led superhero movie. And if she doesn't do well, what's to say Marvel okay, or well, DC is not going to want to do another one? Well, I've never seen Electra. I'm going to say I have 100% confidence that this movie is going better. to be better right. than Catwoman or Supergirl. Right. Those are like two of the worst movies ever made. Right. I think you know where I'm getting at. Where yeah. Wonder Woman doesn't do well. Is anyone really going to want to take a risk on a Batgirl movie or a Black Widow movie? Well, where females to lead. That's what I'm saying. If Wonder Woman's great and jumps off, then you know, you're more likely just to see the Batgirl movie and Black Widow and them wanting to do more. Well, and while we're at it, we also need to be careful that we're not turning it into last year's Ghostbusters. Can you believe that that's been a, over a, a year, year now? A, a year like, in July. That seems like just just a couple months ago, I saw that. And that movie yeah. could have been so much better. Yeah, and that's the thing. Well, it wasn't that movie, bad, but it could have been so much see, better. But see, like, everyone... Well, there's a lot of they, sexist idiots turned, out there, too. Yeah, and then there's a lot of sexist idiots going on Wonder Woman, too. But we turned that into, a, like, a political thing. You gotta ignore those morons, because that's just what they are. They're, right. They're toe-headed idiots. Like, they have lizard brains. You just gotta ignore them, because, like, a lot of people tried to build Ghostbusters up, and the fact is, when it wasn't great... Not terrible, but it wasn't great. It pretty much killed it and then set the stage for our right. current election, which yeah, like, well, it, it's like a metaphor for right. almost. Uh, <laughs> but that's what we need to kind of avoid here because there's already people saying, oh, Gabby Godot's too pretty to be a warrior, um, yeah. even though in real life she actually served in the Israeli yeah, military. Yeah, Gal uh, Gadot. Like, like, thank you. I can't pronounce her name. She was actually like a front line, wasn't she? She's too pretty to be a warrior. If like, I, what does that even mean? Now, if I understand it correctly, when you live and grow up in Israel, you're expected to serve two years in the military regardless. When you're 18, I think so, you're, yeah. you're pretty much expected to serve two years in the military. So it's not like anyone has a choice, you know, at that point. It's not like here where you can choose to make the military your career yeah, or you like, don't have to. But, but there, like, they don't get a choice. It's yeah, like, yeah, but you're, you're going, not. I'm pretty sure front lines is a choice. Right. Don't take that away from her, Reggie. No, I'm not. I'm not. She's probably yeah. got more balls than I do with serving in the military. Oh, so yeah. I mean, it's just crazy how this whole sexism works. And it's like, look, let's not be reactionary to those morons. Because the fact of the matter is, this movie may not be the greatest movie in the world, okay? Yeah. Like, let's just ignore them. Just see the movie for what it is and appreciate it for what it is. If, if it's a B-action movie, so what? Okay? 
okay? Just have a little fun. You know, I mean, that movie's got enough writing on it. Just the fact that an entire company is writing on its success. There's already the innate idea that feminism also has to write on its back. I mean, that's just the way the character's always been. Mm-hmm. Let's also not make it... Let's just be careful yeah. with, with this movie. Um, I think it has a lot of potential to be... I don't know if it's going to be good or not. I have no idea. I don't think it's going to be bad. And it's got the lost Chris. Yeah. Chris Pine. Of course. The one that... Captain Kirk himself. Yeah, the one that fell off the island of hot Chris's that Marvel has... It's sort of like the island of Dr. Moreau, ah, okay. but Marvel or Disney, Disney owns an island and they genetically produce hot Chris's for their movies. <laughs> Chris Pine is the one that fell off the boat, fell okay. off the island. Well, That's what happened, man. I'm sorry. They're taken from the stem cells of Christopher Reeves, the, uh-huh. the Chris Zero, I should say. That's I what really... they do. Look it up, man. Yeah. It's all true. Okay. I'll, I'll, take it up. Your, I'll take your word for it. All right. I'll take your word right. for it. Look it up. That's what they call it, the Island of Hot Chris's. That's where they made Chris Evans. That's where they made uh, Chris Hemsworth, Chris Pratt. Okay. Chris Pine. All came from Christopher Reeve. Christian Bale is actually not okay. one of them. He can be so devastated. I guess Hellboy would be getting another chance at the big screen, but not with it. Is this the third one or the second one? Third Hellboy movie, but it will not be a sequel to okay. the first two done by Gail Toro and nor will... Ron Perlman will not be returning. Instead, the Hellboy creators, along with whoever's behind the film, decided to go back and reboot the Hellboy series with David Harbour taking on the lead role as Hellboy. He's been in Stranger Things. Neil Marshall is going to direct it, and this is going to be an R-rated Hellboy, and they're going back to the roots of the comics. Oh, okay. That's where they're going with this. Guillermo del Toro and Dark Horse Entertainment had both explored the possibility of a Hellboy 3, but Del Toro wanted an even bigger budget than what he got for the first two, and knowing that the first two movies didn't really, never produce that by all the box office, the producers decided to just reboot and relaunch the, the franchise, then trying to give Del Toro what he wanted, knowing that the franchise has a core audience. It doesn't necessarily have that big, worldwide mass appeal like a Batman would have. Yeah. They're going to go for the hard R, and it's already get, been given the name of Hellboy Rise of the Blood Queen. Mm. Uh, no release date has been set and no date on when production will begin. It's just, it has its director, it has its star, and that's as far as it's gone. But we should be getting a new Hellboy movie next two, three, four years. If you're a Hellboy fan and looking for another movie, you're going to get it, just not a Hellboy 3. Take it for what it's worth. I saw the second one. I mean, I'm not necessarily a big Hellboy fan. I never really even read the comics, but for what they were, they're okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not necessarily my favorite movies in the world to watch. I mean, I've only watched them once or twice, and that's been it. Yeah, I, they're not on my list of ooh, hey, I want to watch something. Let's pop it in. Same you know? here. And you know, I love Guillermo del Toro. Right. I love him, and, and I, I like. I love Ron Perlman. I like what Ron Perlman did with the character. Um, I, I liked how I he just, portrayed it. Yeah, but... I just don't really like. Maybe the source material is just not that good. Dark horse I, I don't know or maybe what del toro was doing just didn't uh, trip my trigger but maybe this new one well i i don't know i mean i'll give the new one a chance if well. it looks good i'll go see it no problems two movies this year we're going to talk about there's actually about 
three or four, maybe even five movies that are, quote, celebrating either a 40th anniversary, a 20th anniversary, a 30th anniversary, 25-year anniversaries. But I thought we'd talk about two movies this year, at least on this particular podcast, that one came out in 97 and another one came out in 1977. We're going to start with the one in 1997 because I think it probably won't be the most popular one of the two. But if you're ready to hear, released on May 23rd, 1997, Steven Spielberg's sequel to Jurassic Park, The Lost Wow, World this was going to be your big 20th anniversary. Yeah, this is, I was really trying to figure yeah, out which out. one. Yeah, yeah. Okay. this Ooh. movie turns 20 years old. It was released on May 23rd, 1997. Had a budget of 73 million dollars and made 618 million dollars worldwide. The Lost World is actually the first movie for me. I was in seventh grade. It was the first movie where it was a sequel to like a movie that I just loved, and I built it up, built it up, built it up, and then when I saw it. I just couldn't believe how shitty it was. <laughs> like, I and I'm like 13 years old, and I'm sitting there, and for the whole movie, I'm like, this kind of sucks, but it's okay. It's dinosaurs, and it's Jeff Goldblum, and it's the John Williams score, even though it's not quite as good as the first one, but whatever. But then, like, I'm sitting through it, and then all of a sudden, I'm like, why the hell is a Tyrannosaurus in San, San Diego? Diego? This is so lame. That is so lame. You see, I find Lost World, okay, it's not as good as the first movie it was really going to have a hard time living up to the first movie no matter what they did my problem with lost world is what you just said going back to san diego yeah to me the whole movie should have been contained on the island that's the problem with jurassic park is it's a self-contained story Right. Especially when you go to the books. In the book, the reason why... Because in the first book, Isla, Isla, Jeff Goldblum actually dies, yeah. doesn't he? Yeah. And the reason why there's Isla Nibbler and Isla Sornar... I, I, Isla Nibbler? Or, yeah, I can't pronounce it. Is the because items. the reason why there's that Yoda thing of, no, there is another. The reason why there is that is because in the book, they blow up the island at the end. And right. The story's over. They blow up the island. Half the characters are dead, including Jeff Goldblum's character, Ian Malcolm. When, when you go the second movie with the second book Spielberg actually pressured Michael Crichton to make a sequel so that's why no there is another there's another island and also Jeff Goldblum's alive somehow not sure how but whatever but they never do bring the dinosaur to San Diego no. in the, book. the book's not great but it's better than the movie the, the book also has some stupid stuff. Like, remember Dawson? Dawson, we've got Dawson here. Yeah, Dawson. He's the main villain of the second book. And it, why would he come to the island? In the first movie, he's not even going to the island. On the first movie, the island is secure. Why would he go to a place with wild Tyrannosauruses and Velociraptors running around? <laughs> that does not make sense. I see. I look at some of these movies like The Lost World, the Jurassic Park movies all of them in general. The Transformer movies, which I know are either loved or hated. Some of these type of movies I look at in a different light than, let's say, maybe some people. I look at them as fun, dumb popcorn mm -hmm. movies that are enjoyable for me to watch. Okay, yeah, I want them to be good. I don't want them to suck. But at the same time, to me, Lost World is watchable. Yeah, it is. Oh, it is. It, it's, it's, watchable, it's watchable. It's fun. Sure. It's, it's just like it's, when the storyline like, like when be, the first one was yeah. your favorite. And right. It's sort of like for me, that was a movie for me, what Phantom Menace was for a lot of people. Surprisingly, Phantom Menace didn't bother me that much when I was a kid. I like I know when I saw it, I was like, Yeah, Jar Jar Binks is terrible, but even with the Phantom Menace, people it really took me a while. People didn't really even start hating the Phantom Menace until really the second one after the out. second one came out because it took time for people to kind of realize what these the hell aren't is he doing. The second one was the one where I really 
realize it. Because the first one, I was, well, give him time. First one in 16 years, he's trying to get his And then the back second one, it's like, yeah, it's aside, from, the first aside one, from less Jar Jar Binks, though, it's pretty much the same thing. Yeah. It's a little better than the first one, but it's still not what we had hoped for. No. So I look at the kind of Lost World and, and even the third Jurassic Park movie, and this even goes for the Transformer movies. I like the third Jurassic Park movie, actually. Well, so my wife. The third one, and it sucks, but I like it. In a way, it's definitely worse than the second one, because the script is just, no one cares. And Well, Joe Johnson uh, directed it. Yeah. It wasn't even done by Spielberg. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Spielberg kind of had a hand in the story, but he didn't direct it. The only thing, good thing about the third one was they got Dr. Grant to come back. Yeah, and I'm a big dinosaur fan. I've been reading about paleontology since I was a kid, and I know, whatever. But uh, Spinosaurus, great dinosaur to use. In the movie, first off, it didn't really look as cool somehow, and secondly, it's always right there chasing them. And even the T-Rex on the first movie didn't do that. It, yeah. What is this? This is so lame. They had an opportunity to have like a really cool showdown. And then I love how in Jurassic World they do it again, but instead of this Spinosaurus, it's like, it's just one that we made up this time. And it, okay, I guess there's a formula now. <laughs> I need to watch Jurassic World again, but I'm pretty sure I hate that one the most. It's pretty bad. Un- unfortunately, or fortunately, depending how you want to look at it, Jurassic World 2 is coming. Yeah. And they did get Jeff Goldblum to come back to reprise his character of Ian Malcolm in some sort of small role for oh. the sequel. You know what cracks me up is that in this world of gritty reboots, Jurassic Park is like a, the perfect movie to do a gritty reboot. Well, it sounds like the second Jurassic World movie is not going to be set on an island. They've obviously got somewhere they're going with oh, it, but boy. I'm not I'm not sure what. Sounds... How many times do you want to keep going back to the same one or two islands? Exactly. That's so, why they, like, they shouldn't make these so, sequels. The fact that they're not necessarily going back to the island again is fine with me. I'm just kind of curious of what they've got in they mind. They should just terraform a planet and make a Jurassic planet. <laughs> do that to the moon. I don't know if they'll go that far. You're probably just wondering what my uh, second movie is for anniversary. Oh, I want to go. I'm going to guess it's Star Wars. No, that was your obvious choice before we started the podcast, and you kind of had this look of, really? Yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, This movie? Carrie. No. This movie was the third highest grossing movie of 1977. It starred probably the biggest box office star of the 70s. It took place in a big rig in a Trans Am. Can you guess? Oh, Smokey and the Bandit. Oh, that's a good movie. That movie was 77. 1977. Came out a week after Star Wars and was the third highest grossing movie of the year. It lost out to Star Wars and Close Encounters of the third kind oh, wow. with the two movies that beat it out that wow. year that's awesome only aliens in either movie beat it out yeah that uh, is a great movie burt reynolds way. sally wow. field jerry reed jackie gleason which i think to me jackie gleason's character of sheriff buford t justice makes this mm-hmm, movie mm-hmm. without his portrayal of sheriff justice this movie would not be the same no I mean, I know Burt Reynolds is technically the star of the movie, but to me, the standout star of the movie on screen is Jackie Gleason. His whole demeanor, he's a a southern sheriff who's obviously a little bit bigotry, but they don't play it up too much. But his whole characterization of that whole sheriff is just hilarious. It's a little dated to a certain extent, but it still holds up in my book. Mm -hmm. It's still very rewatchable. It made $126 million dollars domestically wow i didn't in 1977 that's that's really so adjust inflation that's probably up there closer to seven eight nine hundred million today's today's money that's a movie that would be really hard to even try and do a remake nowadays back in the 70s you had no cell phones police didn't use a lot of helicopters at Mm -hmm. that time for when that movie 
with made it works now try and do something even set it in modern times just wouldn't work as well just wouldn't be the same now you should note that in 1977 for those people who or don't know why hauling coors beer from texas back to to georgia (laughs) is such an illegal it's because in 1977 it was actually illegal to sell coors beer east of the mississippi river without a permit yeah nowadays it's all been changed but that was the reason why the main purpose of the movie and at that time you know it was it was considered bootlegging if you didn't do it. No, the movie was political. I guess, if you want to look at it that way. I mean, you think about how in the 70s, dry counties were all over the place. I mean, there were still a lot of places in the country that still lived under these prohibition laws. Federally, it was over. There are counties in Kansas that were dry throughout the 70s and 80s. And I don't want to say it was political, but I think it definitely got people aware and riled up. Oh, yeah. A lot of people may not be aware of this. Smoking the Bandit did receive an Oscar nomination for Best Editing, but lost to Star Wars. To Star Wars. (laughs) Hey, man, it's that wipe. (laughs) They were like, look at that wipe. It did it. It, it was widely panned when it was first released. So, yeah, it's just a fun movie that still holds up nowadays. It's what a cat and mouse car chase movie should be. Mm-hmm. It was great with Burt Reynolds and Sally Field and Jerry Reed. And, and of course, Jerry Reed did, did the song for that movie, which if you're a country music fan, you probably yeah, it's a good heard, song. heard it millions of times. So That's uh, the uh, Eastbound and Down. Eastbound right? and yeah. Down. Yeah. yeah, and that was actually directed by, I can't remember the guy's name, but it was actually his first movie he directed. He'd been a stuntman most of his career. And that was the first movie he ever directed was Smoking the Bandit. Wow. I think I read once where the uh, the scene where um, Burt Reynolds jumps the Trans Am over the uh, knocked out bridge on the country road. I believe at that time set a world record for the longest some sort of jump in a car at that time. That was one of the last things they filmed because they only had three cars for the entire movie. They took a 1976 Trans Am and Pontiac was gracious enough to give them some minor upgrades to the 76 cars to make it look like what the 77 Trans Ams would look like by the time the movie would come out. Oh, wow. The wheels that were on it weren't available on the 76. They gave them the wheels that were going to be on the 77 and they made some other body changes to the 376 cars they used to make it look like a 77, which that movie also bolstered the sales of Trans Ams for, oh, for yeah, a couple of years because of that. Yeah. Smoking Bandit also produced two sequels. The second one it's good. It's, it's not this, as great as first the second one. Is that one Gator? No. Smoking the Bandit 2 took place in 1980, and they're, they're trying to transport a, an elephant from Florida to Texas. I see. That one's okay. The third one just sucks because the third one didn't even have Burt Reynolds other than a small cameo. Oh. I don't technically recognize Which that. Which one is Gator? That's Gator a sequel took, to... Gator took place in the early 70s. That's one of Burt Reynolds' other movies in the early 70s. And okay. But that's it, not a sequel. No, I don't think okay. that's a sequel to anything. It did I've have never Jerry, actually seen it. I believe it does have Jerry Reed in it as well, but it's not a sequel to anything. It just kind of... It, it just, just has everyone in it. It's just one similar. of those type of movies, you know, because, you know, early 70s, Burt Reynolds They was, did that stuff all the time. Burt yeah. Reynolds was, the quote, the main action star of the 70s, mm-hmm. you know, with Gator and Deliverance and... Oh, Deliverance. Uh, some other movies he yeah. did in the 70s. He was just a, quote, the it guy of the time. I mean, when he shoots that redneck with the bow and arrow, <laughs> that's, that's the best scene in the movie. <laughs> it's been a long time since I've seen Get Deliverance. It's a hard movie to watch. Pretty messed up. Oh, yeah. I love it whenever we talk about stuff that isn't comic related, too. 
That's good. Um, yeah, like uh, Smokey and the Bandit is just—it's a great movie. Burt Reynolds is great. Uh, going back to Guardians to grade the movie, I'd honestly give it probably an A minus. I really, really liked it. I would. Um, I'd, I'd, I'd say maybe the same. a B plus. I'd say A minus. It's fine. It's good enough for me. I thought the story was really good. Really liked it. Uh, it wasn't the perfect movie that the first one was, but I'm okay with that. Everything that I want to complain about it, or I feel like I'm nitpicking almost. Yeah. I also have to point this out. On the first on the first Guardians, when they battle Ronan, the final battle, it totally reminded me always of like a Final Fantasy game where they at the end Oh they, with all those they, yeah. where they're holding hands and they beat the final villain with the power of friendship. Well this one like did it again because they're in the planet's core, the planet ego, and it looks just like the core of the planet of Final Fantasy Seven, which is where you fight the final boss, who is turning into the planet. Mm-hmm. who's becoming one with the planet, just like in the movie. I'm pretty sure that James Gunn, I'm pretty sure he gets his inspiration from a lot of things. I think that's one of those things he gets them from. It's just too similar at this point. He definitely played Final Fantasy and watches anime. He watches a lot of spaghetti westerns. You can definitely tell that. Oh, yeah. Like, Yondu is definitely feels like a cowboy from a spaghetti western to me. He definitely gets his, his sources from a lot of stuff. And suppo- great. supposedly Marvel's announced he will be doing the third one. That's good. That's good. Well, they better... Guardians of the Galaxy characters will be appearing in Infinity War. I did see something where Chris Pratt and a couple of the other characters were filming their scenes by the time this actually gets put online, you know, a couple of weeks back. I don't know how they're going to do that movie with so many characters. I don't either. And without it like, being three hours long. But then again, if it's a really good movie, three hours can go by like an hour and a half. Then again, if it really sucks, which I find that hard to believe coming from Marvel, three hours could seem like an eternity. But They haven't made a movie that sucks yet. They've made some weaker movies. We've said this over and over. They've made some movies that have been a little bit weaker, but are still in the grand scheme of things for a summer sci-fi action movie. Still good. Pretty good. Yeah. They haven't made a bad one yet. Infinity War might be the one, but I don't think so. You would hope not. It's yeah. it, with the Russo brothers are really good. You need to watch Arrested Development sometime. That's the show that they got their start. There are writers on that show. And Marvel still won't release what the name of the fourth Avengers movie that's following Infinity War, what the name of that is, because they said if they say it now before it comes time for the trailer to be released, it will give away too much. Mm. wonder if it's Galactus. I, I don't know if that means and it'll give away that. how Infinity War may end or not end. I don't know. They already have the title, but they will not say what that title is. It's just it's the fourth Avengers movie. Yeah. I guess if you're a comic book fan of Marvel, I, I would assume you'd be able to figure it out. I bet I bet it's going to be like Galactus or something. Like they And they got the rights and it's all hush-hush. And... Or something to do with Fantastic Four, maybe. Because the only... Uh, well, something. that would be Galactus. That, that's like the only villain bigger, in my opinion. Uh, let's go on the theory. Let's say Marvel has or is getting... Fantastic Wouldn't Four characters wonderful? back. Would the two studios have to say anything, or would it be just a quiet deal underneath the table where they don't necessarily have to make it public? Well, that could be part of the agreement. Both sides have to keep it secret yeah. until whatever date on the calendar. Yeah. I guess it's possible. It would be fun to see them get it back because Fox. I mean, I know everyone's saying like, "Oh, Fox has made two good movies now, so like, let's give them Fantastic they, Four. And it's like, no. Okay, I like. Th- 
some of their X-Men movies. And yes, Deadpool and Logan were really good movies, but they've had three chances this with Fantastic, Fantastic Four, Four. And they're done. Right. I'm sorry. They should not be given a fourth. Yeah. I forgot to mention there is one of my favorite lines out of Smoking the Bandit comes from Jackie Gleason's character of Sheriff Beaver T. Chesses when he's junior sitting in the car holding the... Uh, the car door that got knocked off by a semi and Jackie Gleason's character turns around, stands there and just looks junior put the door in the back. And he, so he junior throws it into the back seat and goes, there's no way, no way you could come from my loins. First thing I'm going to do, we get home. I'm going to punch your mama in the mouth. <laughs> One of my favorite lines from that movie. <laughs> yeah. One of my favorite lines. I want to mention this too. I seen it run on TBS and TNT before when, when they've, run the first smoking the bandit movie on cable there is one deleted scene that's not on the dvd or did not run in the theatrical version of the movie and it's the part after they uh sally field and burt reynolds stop to, to give jerry reed's character uh the food for fred you know they take off and then fred goes and jumps in the pond well there's a scene they cut out bandits trying to get a hold of snowman telling him you know hey you know there's a smoky coming your way you know back off you know slow down and he never answers and he pulls fred out of the pond and that's where they cut it off in the in the theatrical version and then they show bandit and them pulling into a gas station okay well in the extended scene he gets fred out of the pond he gets up to a semi and he finally answers the cb he goes yeah yeah this is snowman come back and burt reynolds character of bandit goes yeah when you finally get that damn dog back in the car you can put the hammer down because by the then that Smokey will have gone by you. <laughs> a no. minor little scene. And I was hoping when they, they put out an anniversary edition several years back, and I was hoping, well, maybe they put that scene back in. Nope, never did. No. So, and they're supposed to be releasing a 40th anniversary version out to Blu-ray. I would hope they would put it back in, but somehow I know if I go spend the money for it, it won't. So no. I'm not going to buy it a second time. Did yeah. you ever see Old School? It's kind of an Animal House ripoff, but it was it was a funny movie. Old School. Was that with Will, Will Ferrell? Will Ferrell. No, I've never seen that. It's, um, I don't know if I'd totally recommend it like it it's like a is that the one where he runs down the street naked yeah okay if it's on tv it's worth watching like it's funny enough i think it's funny at the end of the movie they're playing kansas which is like the ultimate feel-good band you okay know? they're playing kansas during the ending credits and then they're showing deleted scenes from the movie then all of a sudden they start showing deleted scenes from Smokey and the bandit for some reason <laughs> which is really funny but <laughs> so i always enjoyed that good luck on your tonsil surgery That'll take you about a week or so to recover. My wife had that done several years back. So hopefully we can squeeze in another uh, podcast before then. I won't give anything away. If I give away what Podcast 34 is going to be, they'll just tune out. If you haven't seen Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, go see it. Highly recommend it. It's worth the watch. And if you haven't seen Guardians of the Galaxy, the first one, doesn't really matter. If you want to watch it before you go, I think most people will be able to figure it out. I mean, it wouldn't hurt to understand it a little bit more but it's watchable it's well this one's definitely a standalone movie which, oh yeah which is good for the most part although the problem is the first one is actually better so i would still recommend seeing, seeing the, the first, first one first yeah. so then next we have well when is alien is alien, that out now the alien covenant should be out in theaters by the time this podcast hits online okay so then there's alien covenant i really like danny mcbride he's really good funny guy he's gonna die horribly in the movie i know that and of course there's also pirates of the caribbean dead man's oh, yeah. chest coming out that's kind of one of those I'm, movies like transformers you well, really like it you like it's got javier movies? bourdain though yeah bardem yeah thank yeah. you sorry yeah they've got a couple of the other 
characters returning as well in smaller roles. It, everyone says that. Cracks me up how Jeffrey Rush still does all these, and like Jeffrey Rush is like some like great actor in England, and he still does these movies. <laughs> Get uh, worse every time. <laughs> paycheck. Like, what a, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's several movies coming out. I don't know if we'll get to see them all or talk to them about all, but there are some that are so in my list. These two, Wonder Woman, Spider-Man. Spider-Man. You got Transformers, uh, the new one coming out in Which June. I'll June. skip that one. But. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of movies coming out. Thor's in November. Right? Thor's in November. Boy, I love that logo for Ragnarok, that weird 80s yeah. logo. Uh, Last Jedi in December. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of movies coming out this year. Plus, you also got a uh, Justice League movie in November as well. So are they quitting the Star Trek movies now? I don't know. Most of the controversy about those movies is BS. Absolute BS. The problem was when the first one came out, it angered the Trekkies. It didn't anger them as much as what Into Darkness angered Well, them. I think what happened, though, is after the first, sometime around after the first one came out, those early 2000 teens, that's when the trendiness of being a nerd, that which has been kind of a thing for the previous decade, exploded. Right. Like, now it's like total trend it's to the point where it's so commercial it's outrageous and there's two problems with the current star trek franchise right now if you want to call them problems paramount didn't get the return on star trek beyond that it kind of had hoped yeah and that was a good one of the three of the rebooted movies it was definitely the best of the storyline ones mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh it was really good problem is it didn't do anywhere close to what the first two movies yeah. did and when you look what it cost to what it made worldwide yeah it made some money but it didn't necessarily do them any favors yeah, to a certain extent. It came out the same year as Star Wars. Well, see, because when the first two movies came out, there were no talk mm-hmm. of Star Wars movies coming and out. Now, now you have Star Wars yep. out every year. And then you have then the, the hardcore Trekkies like... who, who in a certain sense, want this some idealistic type of Star Trek movie that been so used to seeing from the all the television shows and from even from the first ten movies that came before these rebooted movies. But even those movies were silly. Right. Like, I mean, they weren't... Right. The shows They're, were the ones that they, had They got the to some high level of... The uh, movies were always just the silly popcorn ones to get you excited about the next there, season of the show. Well, the original cast movies weren't necessarily connected with anything of the next generation. They save humpback whales in the fourth one. I mean, like... And that's the highest grossing one of the first I six know. movies. And there's technically no bad guys for I that. Because two, four, and six are considered the three best of the six movies yeah. done with the original cast. The other four movies... That were with Next Generation, and there's only really about four movies out of those entire ten, maybe five, depending on how you want to treat a couple of the others you consider good movies. Yeah, but they're holding the new set of Star Trek movies to such high standards of what they feel that they should be meeting to, and when they're not meeting it, these hardcore Trekkies are thumbing their nose so hard up in the air with it, and just being so downright belligerent about it. Get with the times, because. And I've said this before, and I've even written about this on my website. Today's movie-going audience is not going to sit through a type of Star Trek movie like you would have gotten with Star Trek IV, The Void no. Home. Maybe Rathacon and possibly Undiscovered Country, but even then, those movies don't have a lot of action in them. They just don't. None of those movies in the first the original cast don't have a lot of action. Today's audience is used to a certain level of action in their movies, a certain pacing. That's not to say that a certain type of Star Trek movie that goes back to what Roddenberry always wanted Star Trek to be couldn't live up and do so. I think Beyond kind of 
That yeah, one tried. It tried to get there, but you're still going to have to have a certain amount of action to give the audience for them to come to accept it. And you can't make it so tied in to whatever else has been done before because not everyone's going to be familiar with everything that's come before it to do that. And I think some of these hardcore Trekkies are just so narrow-minded instead of opening their minds up a little bit and accepting them for what they are. I'm of the opinion if you want that kind of Star Trek, you got the DVDs, <laughs> no, you got right. Netflix. You got some, 40 some, years of that. that. You can watch it anytime you <laughs> want and if you don't like these movies these new movies then don't go to see them but don't be so belligerent to everything that's posted online that you ruin everyone's fun who are enjoying them yeah i agree and i like the original series i like next generation i like deep space nine i like voyager enterprise is not necessarily my favorite of the shows but there are some episodes i do enjoy my big pick with enterprise and i've said this before is too many two three and four parters within the show that drove me nuts yeah it's a little easier to deal with when you have it on blu-ray or dvd because you can kind of watch them all real quick but when it was airing on tv at the time if you missed an episode you kind of felt like you were lost the rest of the time for that particular storyline that they were doing because they did the entire second season on nothing but the zindi war and it was all tied from one show to the next so it was like one long drawn out it's kind of starting to become trendy today but that you see that more on the on the like the netflix shows yeah yeah so in a certain sense, they were kind of ahead of their time. But for Star Trek, you just weren't used to seeing that kind of storyline telling. And I don't think it worked. And also, I also think that the time Enterprise came out to TV, I think people were kind of Star trek out. I mean, the ratings weren't that great the last two seasons of Voyager. And I really think they should have just not even done Enterprise. Just my opinion. So, Isn't there a new show out Discovery. Yet? It was supposed to come out this past fall. Then it was supposed to come out in January. Now it's been pushed back to September. So I don't know what's going on. Is It's probably because CBS is scared to play with their it's, streaming. I, I, well, because it's supposed to go on their streaming. And there's been a picture or two that's been, have quote, been leaked. And it looks like, now I could be totally wrong because I don't know, haven't seen anything of the show. But one person tweeted out one picture, said new look Klingons. And they didn't even look anywhere close to Klingons. and looked mighty damn ugly. So I don't know what they're thinking. And the main star of the show, because they're doing a ship again, which is fine. But the main star of the show is not the captain of the ship. It's the first officer. Boring. I haven't seen it, so I can't say I can judge it on per se. But how can you do another Star Trek show set on a ship following another crew, but yet the main character of the show is the first officer That's it's always been stupid, the captain yeah. it's always kind of been yeah. the lead character and maybe once i see it maybe and it's really good maybe it'll change my mind but at this point i can't wrap my head around the fact of how can you do that and still make the show work yeah i, I don't know yeah. and they're setting discovery back in the the original timeline but this one is set before this one is set after enterprise but before the original series so they're going yeah. back to the original timeline again which to me would put more confusion to people with the movies that are out there and the newer movies they're making with now you're putting a show back out on streaming network but it's set back in the original timeline to me they had this whole world in this new timeline to play with maybe because of the backlash of that on the movies they didn't want to go there on the tv shows i don't know i'm waiting to watch it if it ever does finally make it to cbs all access and judge it on its merits then yeah but it'll be interesting to watch that's for sure it depends on how well it did the show either people are going to love it or they're going to hate it and i have a feeling everyone's going to be really judgmental on that if it's not just perfect just because it's star trek it's, it's been fun. Well, hold on. Let me just think of one more thing. <laughs> no, I, I think you're right. I think we've talked about everything we could possibly talk about. We've hit a little bit of everything, pretty, I think. Yeah. I mean, we've hit from trans ams to t-rexes to klingons to wonder woman's what more can you ask for in a podcast right, not a whole lot i guess yeah, i maybe, guess not. maybe a special guest star i'm ho- hoping to get 
Let me rephrase that, a celebrity guest star. I am hoping to get one local celebrity as a guest star for what will probably eventually become our Spider-Man Homecoming review movie. And then I'm also wanting to do a special type of podcast, which will take a little bit of coordination between you and I to do with something that's around here locally that you can only find in Kansas. So I'm hoping to get that worked out and do that podcast eventually down the line sometime in the summer. So there are some things I'm working on that I hope we can pull off instead of just always talking about superhero movies. So yeah. it'd be fun to do. I know you haven't put anything of your podcast out in a while. I know that you've got a few in the can. I've got a few in the can. They're coming. Okay. They're coming. I've but, been working on them. You can find all of James's links, True Believers, on my website, RichTate.com. You're going to have plenty of time in the next couple of weeks to get them all up. So. <laughs> you can also find uh, links to all my podcast on uh, registate.com as well. You can also find them on Podomatic. I'm still trying to work on getting them on iTunes, but uh, I actually have a real lie. Forgive me. For James and for myself, thanks for listening. We will be back for podcast 34. Thank you.